Hi guys, welcome back to Omegapreneur. And if you're new here, welcome. Please don't forget to subscribe. I'm your host, Jacqueline. This podcast highlights women of color who are entrepreneurs and creatives. We focus on getting you through the transition process from feeling stuck to taking action on your dreams. If you're a busy woman entrepreneur looking to start a podcast but couldn't possibly think of adding one more thing on your plate, I help make the process seem seamless so that you're able to launch your podcast grow your audience, and increase your sales. For consulting, simply message me for a free clarity call. I've also created a simple online course if you'd like to tackle it yourself in three simple steps. I'll link all of that information on the show notes below. Now, on to today's podcast. In today's episode, we have writer and author Gigi Renee writes. I've known Gigi for a few years now and originally fell in love with her writing because of how raw and honest she was about her journey. She actually recently spoke about growing up with a mother who struggles with schizophrenia and a very open piece for Shonda Land entitled, Choosing My Mental Health Over My Mother. We also talk about the business of writing from books to online courses leaving her corporate job after 12 years to pursue writing full-time, the highs and lows, and the things they don't talk about regarding freelance and entrepreneurship, and as always, much, much more. Um, I think the first time that I was aware of that is when I was about 28 or 29 after the birth of my second child. I became quite aware and quite abruptly aware that I wasn't living in alignment with who I felt I was inside and that there was a limited amount of time that I could continue to do that without feeling like I was going to have some type of breakdown or something bad was going to happen, you know? Um, So that was the first time. I know that there was many times in life before that, I'm sure that I transitioned or questioned who I was or what I was doing, but I wasn't really aware of it until then. And that's when I became intentional about how I wanted to, to walk that path, you know? So what was it? You, you obviously can look back and realize that, yes, that transition, that was probably a pivotal moment, but I'm sure you couldn't have articulated what you just said. I know that I wasn't in alignment with who I really was inside. Mm-hmm. What do you think uh, led to you being able to now articulate that? This is beautiful, by the way. <laughs> oh, thank you. I think it's just hindsight. I think that it comes from being able to step outside of yourself and be honest about what you what you see and the difference between, you know, just where those um, breaks are, where those where you feel the most pain points. Um, and for me, that was always. Um, this image that I'd created or this just caring so much about what other people think to the point where I lost sight of what I really care about and what really makes me feel whole. I didn't even, I'd become so identified with being this, this 
one thing on the outside, another thing on the inside. And I had resigned myself that that's just how life is and that's how everyone is and you just deal with it. And then one day realizing that that's not how it has to be. And that opening up a whole world of realizing that you don't have to, you're not given this set of cards and you just have to keep the cards the way they are. You can change and you can grow and evolve and move past things that you thought were just, you know, the hand that you'd been dealt. Talk to me about how writing came into your life. Writing has always been a big part of my life. When I was younger, writing was a creative outlet and it was a part of my playtime and it was something that I excelled at in, in school. Um, but it didn't become a healing tool for me until my late twenties, really before that it was, um, and maybe it was a healing tool before that, but I didn't realize it. Um, but I, right around the time when you mentioned, you know, when did I first sort of realize that I was having some issues with identity and things like that in my late twenties, I started going to therapy and in therapy, she said, you keep mentioning that you used to love to write and how come you don't write anymore. And that's just triggered me to, to say, this is one of the things that I need to start doing again so I can start getting back to who I really am and, and, and just kind of start from scratch with just simply being me and doing the things that remind me of a time in my life when I wasn't so um, far gone from myself. And so, yeah, my late twenties, I started writing, journaling more, started blogging. Around then is when I started getting involved with social media and realizing that I saw it, I was using it as a tool to write and I didn't even in set out to do that, but it just, I guess when you have something inside of you, it's just going to come out <laughs> no matter like, you know, what you choose to what spaces you put yourself in, it's just going to come out. And turns out that when I'm giving like, given like a blank space and, and a, and a keyboard, <laughs> like I just start, you know, writing like beyond the typical you know status updates and that kind of gave me a clue like well maybe I should take this further and it just went from there um and really kind of turned my life in a different direction so talk to me about that relationship with writing because I think we all have relationships um with not just children or people but with our purpose right or mm -hmm. our gifts and I definitely can understand or relate because writing was healing for me and I didn't know it. I can tell mm -hmm. writing everything and get everything inside that can never articulate. But it, when I did it on paper, it was like, whoa, when I read it. Um, and I too like disconnected from that. I didn't realize it and I didn't know number one that it was a healing tool. And I disconnected from it because it, it, it I think, it just took me into a dark place that I couldn't yeah. handle after a while. It was yeah. just too much for me. And um, so talk to me about that disconnection from, from your gift and your healing place and how you slowly connected again to make it more healing so that it wouldn't suck you in 
into that dark place, I guess. I think that reading along with writing helps a lot because it can become, because you're forced to open wounds that you've kept closed for a long time and be honest with yourself about things that you might not, that are very uncomfortable to be honest about and to really look at and just see plainly. It's, it's uncomfortable. And even sometimes for me, seeing some of the beautiful things that came out and the, and the possibilities that came out, came out of me, that was uncomfortable too. <laughs> it was just really uncomfortable to see those extremes and to see how big my dreams are and how low my darkest thoughts can go. Like that just is completely overwhelming. So I think that reading along with my writing practice has helped a lot because I, I read a lot of lately and I don't know, you know, when you're a reader, like I'm sure over the years you've, you know, had times where you were really into fiction and other times mm -hmm. you're really into reading books about spirituality. Like you kind of go through phases, right? And so right. you're dating. <laughs> right, <laughs> exactly. So I've been through my phases and lately I read a lot about the art of writing because I also facilitate workshops and I just that I know that that helps me become a better facilitator for things like that and because I'm just naturally very passionate about you know studying the craft and learning from other writers and stuff but also like memoirs and books of essays and people telling their personal stories and just stories of transformation and growth and my reading has enhanced my writing in the sense that I'm expecting certain things and, and almost like I feel more equipped to deal with it, with all of it through sort of creating that community in my own head of like reading other writers, like, okay, this is normal. So like, if I really wanna be, you know, a better writer, a better human, these are uncomfortable. This is a this is a place I can't be scared to go. Like if I really want to be a creative and I really want to be an artist, I can't be afraid to go to that place. And um, that took time, you know, because I think it kind of happened in layers for me. When I first started writing, I've always been a transparent writer, but I can see over the years when I look at my own work how it's changed and I've become even less afraid. Like you know that, and that's my goal is to become less and less afraid every time I create something or just, you know, when I look back over a year's work or even just a project that I work on, like, you know, did I push myself to be even more honest and to be, you know, to show up even more? And, and that's in my personal writing too. You know, there's, there's that time with yourself. There's those things you write, you never share with anyone. And there are certain topics that I still, struggle to get from my brain onto the page, you know, and I just try to open myself up more knowing that it's going to help me as an artist and it's going to help me as a human being to just be more and more um, just in alignment with my whole self, you know. So I've been reading your work and you and I have known each other um, for years. And whenever I really, you're, you're one of my person to go to for inspiration mm -hmm. and to get flowing um, mm -hmm. because your writing is so, I can see it. 
I can see the room. I can taste it. I can feel the emotions. Um, it's so yeah. vivid. So I seen, um, I read two that, that I remember, obviously I've read more, but one was when you were a child and you were looking in the mirror and how you were really appreciating your womanhood. Yeah. Owning it. And I just thought that was so beautiful how we own that when we were young and when we were older, we don't. Right. And and I love that piece because I was in the room with you. And I remembered a time when I totally owned who I was. Um, Another time was when I read the essay that you did on your mother, Um, because I know as a, as someone who knew you a few years ago, I know that that was a topic that you didn't, you didn't really talk about a lot and share. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, So me reading that and and your openness, because your writing can be so transparent and open, but yet I knew that was something that was, you know, private to you or not really Mm -hmm. something you talked about. Can you talk to us about making that decision to write something so open? Um, Did you struggle with it or did you just come to terms with it? You know, yes, I did struggle with it and I still am because um, the, the big project I'm working on right now is a book about my mental health journey as well. And of course, my mom is a big, huge part of that. So a lot of the essays are telling stories and talking about things I've never talked about. And it's taking me so long to do it. However, um, I think that the initially what got the ball rolling was me, you know, I talked earlier about being honest with yourself and opening old wounds and just me realizing that I needed to release that. The only way I could completely heal from and, and, and walk around with less regret and walk around with less like this heaviness that I've been feeling um, about, you know, my mom and the estrangement and, and just all of it, the shame that I felt all those years of not talking about it. I felt like I needed to clear all of that out and that it could actually be a really beautiful thing for me to create a whole project, a whole book around telling these stories that at one time in my life had been too much to bear that I, so that I thought that, that I would just go to my grave with all of with all of that and to be able to make it into something that um, can actually help other people and, and just show a perspective that maybe is not I don't see a lot of black women writing about meant their mental health story or the mental health of you know story of their families I don't see that a lot of that so that made me feel like well maybe all of this you know is for me to fill a little bit of of a gap there maybe I can really make a difference and really break a cycle in my family of not talking about these things maybe I'm called to do that you know and um So I just started writing the stories down and I'm going from there. And, you know, and I think that all of us have a a certain passion for something because of something we've been through, you know, and and how we can choose to use that is really up to us. And if you can marry that thing that has caused you to struggle or caused you to feel pain or caused you to 
feel whatever, if you can marry that with a gift that you have, then it just seems like you would have so much purpose, you know, and just marrying these two things and seeing what you can create from that and how you can, you know, change the story about it into something positive. Definitely reading that piece uh, about your mother and, and, you know, her mental health and you growing up and not being talked about, mm -hmm. um, not being acknowledged, you know, especially as a child. Um, yeah. Feeling like for me, um, where my writing started is because I grew up in domestic violence and I knew that there was something wrong and nobody acknowledged it. You know, this is normal. What are you talking about? That didn't happen. It's like, it's just happened. <laughs> Mm -hmm. am, I the, am I the insane one here? What's going on? Right. <laughs> um, and, and it makes you question you and it makes you question what normal is. Yes. What, exactly. what hiding those secrets and, and, and making it into a secret, even though it's so obvious. Mm -hmm. right? And when you acknowledge it, it, it makes everyone else feel uncomfortable. Yep. Um, because mm -hmm. they don't know. And it is a thing about, I feel like being people of color and, yeah. and, and what, therapy and what being crazy means and how um I think even like crazy means you just can't keep it together and we're always trying to keep it together right <laughs> um, right that's so much going on one. yeah mm -hmm. and and what is keeping it together because everything is falling apart <laughs> yep. um and so when I read your piece it normalized it for me you know, in, in a sense, I was like, okay, um, this does happen. And she's being open about it. And it's okay. Yeah. It definitely made it okay to talk about the things that hurt us. Um, yeah. That made us who we are. And you're owning, um, you know, and you're putting your beautiful writing into it. It's almost like this symphony that's going on of these things that are painful. But it, at the same time, the writing is so beautiful. Um, and the story is, is we've so, you know, you, you can, whether that's the way you grew up or not, you, you can relate and you have empathy and you want to continue reading and getting to know more about that story. Yeah. How has that been for you as a mother um, in, in, and as a woman? Because that's where we get our mothering, our womanhood, mm -hmm. <laughs> and I guess build our own. Has that, how has that been for you and how has it been um, mothering your children when you grow up that way? It's, it's been interesting because I realized when my kids reach a certain point, um, I guess preteen is when, think, you know, they start to change. They start to go through a lot of changes and the way you mother them has to change. And I realized that it was right around that point when my mom took on a different role in my life because of her illness. Um, and so it's almost like this uncharted territory where I don't want to unconsciously repeat things that, because I have a lot of similarities to my mom. I'm not schizophrenic, but I have a lot of similarities. Um, it's so funny how we just like just DNA, we just <laughs> pick up. I mean, I'm sure it's a combination of like of that and also just the environmental influence, you know, um, if I'm not intentional, um, I can easily repeat a lot of the things that went on in my household just because that's how I grew up. And, and we, as a parent, you want to be so careful to be intentional about 
the the environment in your household and make sure you're not repeating things just out of habit. So I've tried to be very careful about that. And I, because of the way I grew up, I also tend to be extra sensitive about my kids and their mental health. So sometimes that's interesting because you can accidentally project certain things onto your kids because you're so hyper vigilant about, you know, looking out for it, uh, if that makes sense. Um, I've definitely missed having a mom that I could talk to and say, oh my God, like, <laughs> you know, what should I do? Give me some advice. You know, I've definitely um, missed that. But on the positive side, I just feel so blessed that I am able to see my kids through a time where I felt like pretty abandoned mm -hmm. um, through my adolescence because my mom was dealing with her illness and nobody was talking to me. <laughs> and it was just like, you know, I just, it was a really rough time in that regard. And I feel thankful that even though I feel overwhelmed with, with being a mom and just trying to keep it together for them, um, and trying to break that cycle of not talking about these uncomfortable things. I'm just thankful that I am present and we are having these conversations. And, you know, I talk to my kids about mental health. I talk to them about, um, you know, how to take care of themselves, you know, from the inside. And nobody was having those conversations with me when I was growing up. So if I'm doing nothing else right, <laughs> I'm definitely instilling those those seeds because you know it's interesting raising kids you know and um having another parent to raise them with sometimes I just they're mine and I want to raise them and instill in them what I want and you know their dad has his um areas that you know he had his way that he grew up and that he's passionate about so sometimes that's tricky because he's can be a little bit more old school about not over catering to their feelings and mm -hmm. making sure that they're in line and they're disciplined. Mm -hmm. And that's important as well. But when you grow up, you know, with this background of like sort of this mental health dysfunction, mm -hmm. that's like top of the priority thing for me. So if I say, well, I think one of them needs to go to therapy or whatever, he's like, man, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> You always think there's something wrong. So it just creates an interesting dynamic sometimes, you know, because I'm just like, wow, yeah, I guess I am a little bit more in tune with that than maybe the average person would be because of what I went through, you know? Like, I just want to make sure that we, you know, yeah. that we're on top of that. I, I definitely get that. I, I must have been like, three <laughs> to my daughter, like, you know, we should take her to therapy. We should definitely <laughs> And the, and the therapist was uh, very kind about, she will do that in her time. <laughs> that is on her. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, just, just, you know, and he's like, and I'm not just saying that. It's like everyone, not just children, everyone will have their time when that is something that they will go towards, you know, towards it and, and they will choose when they are ready. That's so true. Yeah, <laughs> we like, can't control it. Right, yeah. and, you're, and you're like, yeah, right? <laughs> like, I'm doing the exact same thing. I'm trying to control, but it's therapy. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm thinking yes. that that's healthy, but it's it's not, you know, I'm not mm -hmm. hot, but it's definitely 
I'm just like, I just want her to be okay. <laughs> that's all. That's all, right? And We're just trying to be on top of it. But right. it's, yeah. But it's yeah. something that they that they and anyone will will have their time with and, and make their own decisions about their own mental health and what that is required. You know? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, so talk to me about building this community that you now have and, and we'll go a little more into um, the business aspect of you creating um, these courses, but how did you make this this passion um, into a business and, and did it start with a community and then it went from there? Yes, yeah, so I started this community through blogging and um, honestly, if it weren't for blogging and social media, you know, I like, I always say to myself, well, I don't know if I would have grown. I mean, it's been a, it's been a few years and it's been slow, steady growth, but it's still been steady. And I think that if I didn't have the online environment, it would have taken me longer just because I'm such an introvert and I'm kind of a shy person. And I'm still in my mind a little bit behind and so far spreading out locally and more in person because of those things like social anxieties that I have. So just having the option to start sharing my work online where I kind of could still be by myself really gave me an ideal platform for me to start experimenting with sharing my work and just trying to create something. I didn't even know what I was creating really, but I knew I wanted to go with it and just see if I could even just build, you know, create a little community, just like a little writing group or a group of women who support each other. I didn't know what it would turn out to be. Um, I wrote online through blogging for about three years um, from 2009 to 2012. I just, I just wrote just with the intention of having a creative outlet, having like-minded women that I could talk to online because, you know, you have your family and your friends, but they don't always have the same creative interest that you do. You know, they don't, my friends love me, but they don't want to read my writing all the time. <laughs> or, like, or like, read my poem. Like, they don't, <laughs> they're, they're not, you know, they want to hang out with me. They don't want to, you know, so, um, yeah, like having that outlet to say, oh, I posted this and it was really awesome for me, but actually a couple people read it and they said it made their day. Like, yay, that feels really good. And, you know, and getting a response back and because and, back in the early days of blogging, it, it wasn't so focused around social media. It was just, you know, you went to a person's blog, you read their stuff, you left a comment and maybe they come and click on your blog and they read yours. You kind of could build a little network of like-minded writers, bloggers, whatever that way. And, um, and it was just a beautiful way for it to start. I had no goal initially to make money from it. But in 2012, because I used to write about my hair a lot as well, and um, I got an opportunity to get paid to do some, some writing for Carol's daughter. They had a blog back then about transitioning, trans transitioning your hair. And when I started getting those checks and realizing that, well, no matter what I'm writing about, I really just love, really do love writing. And I love writing to this type of audience as opposed to like a business audience like I did at work. Mm -hmm. And that's when I started opening my mind more to 
life design and you know being more intentional about how I shape my career and how I use my gifts that I don't have to I have responsibilities yes and I do have um you know it like certain income requirements obviously but just realizing that with some risk and some you know smart um, risk taking taking some chances that I could transition myself and reposition myself to use more of my creative side along with my technical side and just just really opening my mind to that because I really was the type of person who was just like I just have to go I, there's no other way I have to do this corporate job and that's all I get to do you know I just didn't think of myself as the type of person who I never had entrepreneurial aspirations at all at all like I never felt passionate about that and I still don't to be honest with you it's more about <laughs> wanting to design my life in a way that works from for me and my family and allows me to use my passions and my gifts and it just so turns out that entrepreneurship is is satisfies that but i do that in combination with other things so that this this thing that i have passion for this writing this love that i have for it doesn't get tainted by you know, feeling like I have to meet certain quotas to live my life and to pay my bills. Like, I don't want, um, it really clicked for me when I read it in Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert. She talked about, you know, your gifts having to pay your bills and how it's a really tricky area to navigate because it really can change the way you feel about it. Oh, yeah. You know, and I just remember just having this, I sort of romanticized what it would be like to quit my job and do this full time and, oh, life will be perfect. <laughs> and then I'll be able to just, you know, live my passion and everything will just be taken care of. And it's not that simple. You know, I really had to work to figure out, and I'm still tweaking it, um, still working to figure out what balance I need so that I can put my most pure, like, authentic voice and intentions into my business without making it all about the business. But I think, I feel like I got a little bit away from what you asked though. And so far as community, it grew from me continuing similar to how my writing practice grew or how I mentioned earlier, how I said I kept every time I try to put something out or work on a new project, I try to be more honest. I try to open up more. So, and so far as building a community, it became about, everything I did, whether it was, you know, taking new steps or new projects or new endeavors with my blog or social media, trying different um, strategies of how to connect with the right people. Like I'm speaking to a certain type of woman. So I try to make sure that the content I put out is compelling to that audience and, and, it's, I think for me, it's always been about quality over quantity and having um, conversations and talking about things that I think are important and may not be, um, they may not be as represented as I hope one day they will be like things like mental health. Like there's definitely way more conversations about it now, but even just in the last couple of years, I've seen a lot of growth with that, mm. um, you know, and just, you know, things like you said about transparencies about just womanhood and being a mom and you know managing your emotions managing your ambition managing your um you know jealousy things like that that i feel like on social media there's so much 
airbrushing and there's so much like you know image stuff and everything's perfect and pretty and that drives me crazy so i try to be the opposite of that but in in a yes life is beautiful but let's talk about it in a very real and all-encompassing way and not just like rainbows and unicorns machine <laughs> <laughs> <seeing> right angles <laughs> yes and perfect angles and makeup brushes and you know i just love real real honest like beauty you know that kind like that raw beauty i right. love that and I love raw exactly beauty. what I came to mind, the rawness. Yeah. That, that is so beautiful, but it hurts. Yeah. But I'm yeah. glad that someone is talking about it because I can't. And until I can, I'm glad that you are. So I can always go to you. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. So talk about leading that community. So I'm curious about finding out how someone creates courses. What is that process for you um, to create these courses? Do you see what your audience wants or or do you get that from your clients and workshops? Like how do you develop those um, courses and how do you decide how to price them? Mm, That's such a good question. That is a really good question. Okay, so first part is how do I come up with the courses? So there's a few different ways the courses have come about with me. Um, I've done, I would say the first, the first part of it is just open your mind at the very beginning that this is going to be a trial and error process, right? So I've had courses that have done really well, and those tend to be the ones that I keep going with. If they do well, I keep going, and if they don't do as well, I will sort of, I never really scrap anything, but I'm like, okay, back to the drawing board with this one, you know, like, okay, I got to figure out, for example, okay, let me give you a really good example. My book, um, Writing the Layers, it's a self-discovery workbook that started off as an online course. And I don't know if it's the way I positioned it because when you do online courses, you really have to, you can't just create the course. You also have to be able to summarize it and share it with the audience in a way that they'll get it and feel that it's something that will help them. So even if you create the best course, but you don't know how to position it, it might not sell well or people might not bite, you know? So for whatever reason, that online course didn't do very well. Like it, it just got a little bit, I can't remember numbers anymore because it was a few, quite a few years ago, but it didn't do very well. So I said, okay, I had based that book or that course on some self-discovery work that I'd been doing for about a year before. I had been reading books about mindfulness, um, peace, zen, and then I had been reading books about like writing as therapy and writing as a meditation. And I had all this whole notebook full of notes on all these, this, this combination of writing and meditation and, and focus and increase, deepening your creativity. And I just started going through my notes and highlighting and, you know, circling things and just realizing that this is, this is like good stuff. Like I could, te- like I could teach other women some of the, I could form these into my own exercises that I can, you know, when women, cause so many women, and that's where that gets incorporated. So many women just in comments or women that I had worked one-on-one with said that they love to write, but sometimes they don't 
they don't have any uh, structure or focus with the writing and they feel all over the place. And I said, this could be a way to sort of guide women through that journaling time and give them like writing exercises to make that writing time count more and also add that wellness benefit of it being like a med teaching them how to use writing as a spiritual practice. And it's just like the rewards are creative and um, spiritual. And I think that that's something that I was hearing from the people that I was talking to would be needed. So I went back to the drawing board with it and decided to make it into a book. And that thought that it would be cool that I could build a workshop around it that I could actually, because at that point I wasn't doing live like workshops. I was doing mostly online courses where I basically said, you know, sign up for this course and I'm going to push out this date, these um, emails to you or an ebook to you. And it's more like a self-study kind of thing. And I think a couple of those early courses, I may have done some um, like like video conferencing, excuse me, um, audio conferencing. I wasn't doing video yet. So anyway, that book, that course evolved into a book, which has been one of the most successful things that I've done because I'm able to not only continue to sell, but I think I published it in 2015 and it's been my top seller and it continues to sell because it's something that, you know, I'm not just reading this for entertainment. Like I can actually, this is something I can work with, I think. And women feel that they, who want to write, feel like this will help them write. And also developing it into a live workshop helped a lot as well, because those workshops have been very successful for me and give me some core concepts that have become sort of like my flagship um, methods in, in just like sort of like self-discovery writing 101, you know, <laughs> like, like I could go at any time if somebody called me and said, will you come do a workshop here, come do this. I have like one or two right now workshops that I've done so many times and feel comfortable with it. I could go do it and feel pr pretty confident that I would have um, an impact on the people in the room. And um, that's been really helpful for me and has given me confidence to do, to try other things and expand that and realize that like, as long as I have a passion for this work, I'm always going to be able to listen to what my readers and my peers and just what, what I feel is going on in the landscape and put together different books, products, services that meet a need. And I think that that has come from, like I said, trial and error, being willing to make mistakes and being willing to try something. And, and like, you got it, you only can only get better at it by knowing like what doesn't work. <laughs> I've had those times where I offered something and like nobody really bought it or, or I put out a course and afterwards like kind of had a rough round with it. Oh, like there were a lot of glitches with that, you know, like, because um, once you're within the course, it's like, how do I make it a uh, enjoyable process for the people in the course you know how do I make it impactful how do I make sure that they walk away wanting to tell their friends about it so being able to humble yourself and take feedback and like just try to keep getting better and better at these things um it's been very humbling for me because I don't like to I always like to do well so knowing sometimes when you're to be a beginner you're going to have to fall a little bit is daunting but once you get over that and put your ego to the side and realize it's about the work it will just keep growing from there and you'll gain more confidence in 
your ideas and, and just doing the work to figure out how to make those ideas come to life for other people. I love that. And how did the, the pricing feel for you? How, did you look at other people for pricing or it was something that you, you were okay with pricing at the time? Well, I wasn't out. It always felt uncomfortable, but yes, I looked at other people. I tried to find comparable work um, and see how they would price theirs. And I also did research on just other creatives and maybe as, you know, blog posts or any advice that I could find online about how to go about that. And I think it was Danielle Laporte Mm. who had a blog post about pricing your work. And she said, you really have to go with your heart and, you know, how much you think this work is worth. And she also said, along with that, that to not be afraid to also give some of your work away. Mm. And she was like, and if that means, give, she was like, that can mean what you wanted to mean, giving it away for free or giving it away at a low price just to experiment and see, you know what I mean? Like what, how that informs your next step. So that advice to me was like, okay, I know early on I felt very brand new, very green and like just wanting to dip my foot in the water and see how this whole offering products and services would work. So I priced everything very reasonable so that I could get better. You know, I would do things, I would write for free or write for very cheap or even do some type of sort of write creative coaching with someone in exchange for something else. Like I would just, just really open to getting better so that I could charge more. So I feel like my prices have, are still very low, but that's what, a lot of my people who take my workshops tell me that the, the pricing for the amount of information they get is very low. Mm. Um, and I recently, when I redid the course, my main course, Words That Move this time, I increased the prices and I struggled with it a little bit because you want to make your, you want to get it out there. You want to make what you have available to as many people as possible. And I totally understand that everybody's not going to be able to afford to spend $140 for a writing course, but um, it's worth it. It's probably worth more than that. So I have to realize that this has been a progression, that I did start low. I did take into consideration when I felt like I was leveling up the offering, I leveled up the price. And I realized that as long as I feel confident that I'm putting my very best and that they're going to get a level of service that is, that is, um, that is excellent, then I should be able to charge what I think it's worth and trust that the right people who are going to put that work in with me to like really show up for the course, then that's where it needs to be. So if that means I have less people sign up, I'm okay with that. But it took me a while to get there because I struggled with, you know, pricing it too high and people not being able to afford it and pricing it too low and, and undermining the work that went into it. So it can be a little bit of a struggle. So I try to find that middle point and realize I've been doing this for a while now and I know that I'm bringing more and more to the table each time. And if you undermine yourself, it just seems like you're not believing in the work that you do, mm -hmm. right? So you have to just be honest about what you think it's worth and know that the people that, and honestly, I've had, 
if you make it too low, you do have a lot, like a lot of people, like I've realized that having more in the course is not always better. Some of the courses I've done where I've had a lot of people sign up, but only half of them are really participating or really, you know, showing up. And I'd rather have that smaller number of people that are fully engaged than people who just signed up, you know, without really thinking about it. Like if you're going to spend a hundred dollars, you're going to show up. I, I hope. Yeah. Well, and I think that's what it is, right? It's your level of commitment. We think yes. price it low. Um, oh, we're helping everyone. But at the end of the day, we, our money says how committed we are. Right. It's got skin in the game. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Mm -hmm. um, and my final question to you would be, what is one of the books um, that you recommend for everyone to start their writing journey? And then if you can just tell everyone where we can support you and where we can find you. Okay. Um, one of the books that was has been really a major part of, and that I still refer to and practice with to this day is writing, writing Down the Bones by Natalie Goldberg. Um, I still refer to that book and use the exercise in it to, exercises in it to get me juiced up when I'm feeling a little dry, you know, <laughs> and, and I just love not only the way she talks about writing, but it's sort of like you said earlier when, even though she's talking about something like writing, which can come across technical, I guess, in some ways, she talks about it in such a beautiful, artful way that it's just a joy to even read it. And it just makes you want to write too. So I would definitely, anybody who loves writing, the craft of writing and wants to find different ways to make it a bigger part of their life, I would highly recommend writing down the bones. And I would highly recommend, um, my book, Writing the Layers, it's a self-discovery workbook. And really, as I mentioned earlier, it stresses how to, it, it teaches you how to notice patterns and themes in your life and use writing to help you see yourself more clearly and make adjustments and find peace and wholeness in all of who you are instead of sort of rushing through life, not noticing the most important things really than, um, than the world tells us that they should be. Um, all of my books are at all the available on amazon.com or on my website, all the many layers.com. And I'm on social media, most, most active on Instagram and sometimes Twitter at GG Renee writes. That's G G R E N E E writes W R I T E S. 